2: Thank you so much for joining me, and as always, I really appreciate all you say on social media and just referring this show to your friends, letting them know about the podcasts, and that we do have study guides that go with each of the shows. And we have all different kinds of ways that you can really be the best version of you. And, and that's on the website, so I want to make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it's spelled C I N. T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. I I remind people it's phonetically perfect. It's Cynthia Hyatt. (laughs) So maybe that will help when you're, you know, tapping it into your computer. So today we're, we're really doing a show on what I call undoing our past to have the future you'd like. So think about that. You know, many times we have people tell us that, you know, the past is the past. Don't even go there. Don't even, you know, ignore it. And, you know, I wish that that was always possible. But what we find many times is that there are things in our past that still have energy, still have feelings around it, still have memories around it. So when we think about undoing our past, We're not going backwards to try to fix something back there, especially if you've already tried. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, the way to undo all that stuff that occurred in my past is to have a future that works. And one of the ways we create this future with ourselves is we make peace with the past and we learn from the past. So we all know that undoing the past isn't really possible. The past is the past and it cannot be undone. However, we can undo the past by learning and doing our current life in a way that helps us have fewer regrets and gives us a template that we can now reuse as a way to make sure we are not continuing the mistakes of the past. And subsequently, we train our brain to use what we have always done. So that what happens when we're doing that is we're, re, we're just continuing to train our brain to think the same way. So when we undo our past, what we're doing is learning from that and not repeating the things that we're either embarrassed about, ashamed of, have regrets about, that we're saying, you know what, it's in the past for a reason. And it's a great reference point. I can remind myself, hey, I'm not what I was back there. So I guess I am changing. I guess I am growing. So we can use it as a reference point. We can also use it as a way to say to ourselves, i learned from that that makes me a safer healthier person and those are qualities that are very enticing to people so when we think about this we're learning from our current life what helps us do you know the right thing in the future so that we're creating a better future for ourselves and we're having fewer regrets and it gives us a template that we can reuse as a way to make sure we're not continuing the mistakes of the past. And again, we're training our brain to use the thing in the future. We're saying, hey, I learned from the past so I can do the opposite of the past and that's creating a new future for me. So therefore, doing new things takes effort and repetition. And I remind my clients and myself When I'm creating a new way of thinking and behaving, it helps to do anything, even if it's different than the past. Anything. Just do anything different. Just don't do the same old thing. So even if what you do doesn't really work, you at least are breaking up the system. You're breaking up that that neural highway that has learned how to think the way you want it to. So when we're creating that new way of thinking... It helps us to do anything different than the old way. So this means your current circumstance may not be your fault, but it still is your problem. And I say this to people all the time. I say, you know what? There's a lot of things that have happened to me that really were not my fault. And I would like to be able to go to that person and say, hey, you need to fix this because this is what you did. Sometimes that becomes even more problematic. I'm sure you have people in your life that are kind of like Velcro, right? <laughs> it's like you don't want to snag on them all the time. And so this is where we think to ourselves, I, I, I can behave differently. I can do anything differently. And if it's different than the past, that's helpful. So one of the things that needs to happen is we have to humble ourselves. I have to actually admit that something isn't right, that I didn't do something right, I didn't handle something well, I was selfish, I was lazy, I'm a liar, whatever it is that we have to accept. See, the, the most beautiful thing about acceptance is that as long as I accept it, then I can move away from it. If I'm unwilling to accept it, it keeps bugging me, it keeps talking to me, it keeps shaming me. So when I say to myself, I know I did that. There's no way of talking myself out of it. I'll just be lying to myself. I need to be able to get over myself. So I need to recognize that that's a humbling issue. And when I humble myself, this is not meaning I demean myself or demoralize myself. This means I say to myself, I need to be real about this. I need to be truthful about this. I really did say that, blah, blah, blah. I really did do that thing that I can't believe I did. So again, it might be that your current circumstance may not be your fault, but the problems that are there are still going to be your problem. So if you continue to blame others and the world, you know, and say everything's unfair or it's ignorance or whatever it is, you may feel better for a while, but it will only further you repeating the past. So what does this mean? Are we telling you to be deprecating, flagellating, minimizing, demeaning, whatever the word may be that says, I'm not going to accept my mistake? No, it's, it, what it really is, it's, it's honesty. Truly, it's honesty about who you are, what you've done or do, your strengths, your weaknesses. It's owning who you are and taking responsibility for the good and the bad the good and the bad. So in other words, I want you to stop shooting all over yourself. Now, I think we've done a show about this in the past, but this is kind of a different way to think about it. I want you to resist the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. We all do it. We come away from an event, an interaction, whatever it was that we did or didn't do, and we think, oh my gosh, if I would have just stopped... If I could have just said that, I should have just left. So, you know, it's okay if you, if you can think on those things. But if you bring guilt and shame to it, that's a different story. See, that now makes it painful inside of you to think about it. Instead of saying, yeah, I, I learned. Uh, I can do things differently now. And I will do things differently now. That's different than should have, could have, would have. See, if I learn from it and I'm better for it, then that's someone I can trust. See, you have to be careful not to compete inappropriately with others. So what does this mean? Well, when we do that, when we are inappropriately competing with people, it becomes self-deprecating, maybe, becomes flagellating, minimizing, demeaning. And we end up continuing to hate ourselves or distrust ourselves, or we give up on ourselves because of those past mistakes. The way to undo the past and create a new future is to humble yourself. See, humility is not shaming. This isn't, we're not talking about humiliation. We're talking about it's owning something. It's owning and being honest about who you are and what you've done or continue to do. It's understanding and accepting your strengths and weaknesses. So it's about not hiding behind a strength so nobody sees the weakness. And it's not about shaming other people by bringing up their history so that you don't have to contend with your own. See, it's owning who you are and taking responsibility for the good and the bad. And this is why this is so important. Because if I want to undo my past, right, this is the way to do it. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It means that as I move forward, taking responsibility for the past, it means there's less back there that anybody cares about anymore. Because they're seeing the version of me in, in current time. And so what I did in the past begins to be irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. It's old news. So when I'm willing to do that, when I'm willing to take you know, responsibility for those mistakes in the past. If I can fix them, I do. If I can't, I, I, I continue to say to them, I, I wish that wouldn't have happened. And I can tell you that I'm a different person now. And I won't ever do that again. That may not help you, but I certainly learned from what happened with you. And that saves a whole bunch of other people a lot of pain. And that is being a really healthy person. That's being someone that I want to know. So what we want to think about as we're moving in this direction, that we're careful to not compete inappropriately with others. Because first and foremost, we may lose. And if we're not very good at losing, we're going to really mess up the, the event. Secondly, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we can hold it over people if we win, right? So here's what I want you to think about. If you're needing to compete, and I know a lot of people that are highly competitive, I want you to compete only with yourself. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this idea about competing inappropriately with others as a way to feel good about ourselves. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. So if you're just tuning in now, what we are talking about is undoing our past to have the future you like. And so this is really, it's quite invigorating and empowering because, you know, we all know that we can't really undo the past. You know, it isn't really possible. The past is the past. It really can't be undone. However, we can undo the past by learning and doing our current life in a way that helps us have fewer regrets and gives us a template that we can reuse as a way to make sure we are not continuing the mistakes of the past. And subsequently, this trains our brain and our brain then picks up a new template and says, hey, let's do this one. And it keeps repeating that new way of doing things. So when we're talking about this, I want people to realize and I want you to realize that this idea of shooting all over yourself and how we do this we have a tendency to take our own mistakes very very personally I know I mean I know I do I I can't stand messing up my goodness and so when I do I have to be very careful cuz I can just kind of go down the rabbit hole I feel so bad and I just hate myself and I'm like why did I do that I can't believe I did it You know, all of that stuff, when actually, what all I need to do is forgive myself, learn to do a new way, and move on. Because that doesn't mean I don't make reparations if I need to, if I need to apologize, I do. But I really can't undo something that's been done. The way that I, quote unquote, get close to undoing something and redoing something is just simply doing differently what I just screwed up, okay? It's that simple. It's like whatever it was that I did that messed up, that hurt somebody, hurt myself, whatever it was, the way to undo it is to just move forward and not do it again. That's the best way to undo it. If I can make any kind of reparations, I absolutely do. So it's really not about like... Deprecate self deprecating, you know, throwing ourselves under the bus, beating ourselves up, it doesn't help anything. It's really about having humility enough to recognize I'm a mistake making person to begin with. You know, I remind clients every day that every human is a risk, every human is a risk, and so I think they're worth risking on. One of the things that helps me to make good risks. Is if I know myself if I know what no means to me if I know what yes means to me if I know what my value system is where I say stop where I will go if I know those things I'm going to be a much better risk for other people so one of the ways that we make sure that we're a good risk is we're careful not to compete inappropriately inappropriately with other people see I, I really have come to learn and experience that no one can succeed like I can, and no one can mess up like I can. Right? And this is important because everybody has different gifts and talents. Just like a swimmer who will lose the race if they continue to look to the right or left, you must do your path. That's the one that God created for you since the beginning of time. So stop turning to the the right and the left and comparing yourself with others. God only wants you to compare yourself with yourself. Am I better today than I was yesterday? The greatest gift you could give people that love you and to God is to live in a way that allows you not to consistently, constantly worry about you. Do you have people in your life that you worry about all the time? You're always thinking about them and going, gosh, I hope they're okay. Man, I hope they did fix that. So the greatest gift you can give people that love you is to live in a way that allows them to not constantly worry about you and never be able to relax around you because they're so worried about what you're doing or maybe how they're coming across might get you all upset or worrying about your appearance and what you say that they don't really get to experience the authentic you. See, competing with people many times can have a root cause in jealousy. Competition, low self-esteem, arrogancy, right? And it is an affront to God who's very happy with how he created you. See, when he said, it's done, it was really done. He was happy. He liked everything he made. So he wants to enjoy you as much as he wants you to enjoy others. And so he wants you to enjoy yourself. And now this simply means I'm not my past unless I continue to repeat it. Okay? Think about that. I am not my past unless I continue to repeat it and refuse to learn from it. See, if that's, if that's what I do, then all I'll be known is for my past. And the farther along we get in the future, the less that past is relevant to anybody. So what the past actually means is I need to take advantage of love. I need to love myself in order to successfully love others. So that's what this means. If I continue to live in the past and repeat it and refuse to learn from it, I can't do those things. I can't take advantage of love. I won't be able to love myself. And if I can't love myself, I can't successfully love others. See, love is best utilized as an action. And it can be a thought, a feeling, an action. This means, you know, really loving yourself in order to love others well. may not be doing the same thing or saying the same thing. It might even be ignoring something or overlooking something. I mean, I have to tell you, I have a very gracious husband. He ignores and deletes a lot of things. (laughs) I tell my clients regularly, you need to use the ignore-delete button, right? There's lots of things with humans that we have to just ignore, and we have to delete them. Now, I'm not talking about things that are unhealthy or um, unlawful, right? These types of things. So what we want to think about is, if if we are to undo our past, then we need to establish a kind, gentle, committed way of looking at our thinking. And we need to coach ourselves. So think about the difference between a coach and a critic. Well... Do you have a coach inside of you that says, hey, you can do this. Just try it again. I know you're tired. Keep going. You know, hey, you're forgiven. People will not remember it. You know, you just need to get over it. Do you have a coach that says, keep trying, keep showing up, keep working on it? Or do you have this internal critic that is constantly reminding you of everything you didn't do, should do, could be, would have done, right? Right. This is the thing that you you have to understand you have control over. You really do. Just because your brain naturally does this doesn't mean it can't learn a new way. See, a critic is an outsider with ambitions of their own. Subsequently, their only job is to keep you producing and reminding you of what you are failing, not doing or should be doing. This means one of the worst and most important pieces to implement into your thinking and behaving is to fire that critic and to replace it with a compassionate witness. The part of you that knows your past and that comes with it and is cheering you on to being the best version of you. The part of you that rejoices at every success, no matter how big or small, and knows your past and doesn't criticize or remind you of it and all your mistakes. This is the new version of you. The you that you can count on and that forgives you and champions your successes. Join me in the next segment with Conversations with Cynthia. well welcome back I'm Cynthia Hyatt your host and you are listening to conversations with Cynthia thank you for joining me today I want to also encourage you to go um, to any of your favorite websites and you can check out conversations with Cynthia and we have lots of things there for you we have lots of social media as well for you to really take advantage of if you go to the website and and I really want you to share this with your friends because I've done almost 500 of these shows at this point, which was startling to me. And this is really becoming a really helpful tool because not all of us can, you know, really pay for therapy, right? And so I'm a longtime therapeutic person. And so this can really help you every week as you listen to really become the best version of you. And so we are talking about a very important issue that many of us have and that's our past and how much does your past haunt you how much do you wrestle with the past how much does your brain keep throwing it at you and reminding you of all the things you should have could have would have only then have done and so we're talking about undoing our past to have the future we'd like and the reason that this is important is we certainly can't undo our past it's already done it's locked in time thankfully, because if we don't keep doing it, it actually stays back there. And so the reason that we're talking about this is that we can actually learn from our past and make the future work better for ourselves with less work. And so we all know that undoing the past isn't really possible. The past really is the past. It can't be undone. However, we can undo the past by learning And doing our current life in a way that helps us have fewer regrets and gives us a template that we can use as a way to make sure we're not continuing the mistakes of the past. And we are then subsequently training our brain to use what we have always done. So when we continue the past, our brain goes, oh, it can take, you know, a complete break. It can relax because it's got this on automatic mode. So we want to break that up. So doing new things takes effort and repetition. And I remind myself, I remind clients, when creating a new way of thinking and behaving, it helps to do anything if it's different than the past. Anything. I would almost rather you do a new mistake simply because it's new when you're trying to really, really get this process going. So this means that your current circumstances may not be your fault, but they are still your problem. So if you continue to blame others, the world, circumstances, unfairness, health, ignorance, whatever it may be, you might feel better for a while, but you're only further repeating the past. So the way that we help our future be awesome is we simply learn from the past and we don't repeat things that get in the way of the future that we want. It's that simple. It's not necessarily easy because it does take a lot of work. So, when we are working on this, what we want to say to ourselves is, I am not my past unless I continue to repeat it. And if I refuse to learn from it. So, really accepting the past as it is, forgiving it, whatever it is, and moving forward and saying, I can do it differently. I'm still here on this earth, I'm still alive. Think about that. You're still alive. That means you still can change things. So if we are to undo our past, we need to establish a kind, gentle, committed coach into our thinking. And so this is where we want to talk more about the difference between a coach and a critic. Because we're all good critics, aren't we? See, the coach is the part of you that rejoices at every success, no matter how big or small. And knows your past and doesn't criticize or remind you of all the mistakes. This is the new version of you. The you that you can count on. The you that forgives you and champions your successes. In other words, we're really going to get rid of that critic. We're not going to listen to the critics in our life. We all have an inner critic. But what is the job of a critic? How much does your internal critic critic cost you? Does your internal critic even know you? Did you ever even hire this critic, right? Was your critic inherited, passed along from your family? Or think about this, is your internal critic just a squatter, (laughs) right? Maybe got kicked out of somebody else's brain and came to yours and you took it in, right? So, maybe your internal critic started out as a friend, and maybe it seemed to have good intentions. But the difference between a critic and a coach is that a critic is an outsider with ambitions other than the other, not more than their own. So, they only have a job if you keep producing problems. So, we all have an internal voice. Remember the me, myself, and I. So, we also have the parent, adult, child. So, think about these things. Are you a critic that helps, or are you a critic that demoralizes you? Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you so much for joining me today and for referring this show to lots of your friends. I really appreciate that. And so today we're talking about this idea of undoing our past to have the future you'd like. Now, we all know we can't go back in the past. We do know this. However, this is a different way of thinking. See, I can undo my past When I do my future and my present time differently than my past. This is the one, one of the ways that I undo my past. It means I'm not repeating my past as I'm moving forward in history. So it's not, it's this thing about undoing, redoing. And so it's not really possible to do it with the past, but it kind of is. Because what we do is we're saying to ourselves, I've been here I've done this before. I can do it differently this time. And if I do it differently this time, and it works, and I keep repeating it, the farther away I get from the past that hurts my feelings, from the past that makes me feel bad about myself, the past that might cause me to judge myself. This is one of the ways that we actually leave the past in the past where it belongs. And so... This means that your current circumstances may not be your fault, but they still are your problem. And that was a revolutionizing idea that God gave me probably two years ago, a year and a half ago, when he said to me, Cynthia, this may be your fault because I'd made a bad decision. He said, but it, it still is going to be your problem. So he's saying, you know what? You might have done the best you could. And so I'm not going to fault you for that, but it still is your problem. And then he said a kind thing to me. He said, and I'll help you with that. And that was awesome. So if you continue to blame others in the world or circumstances or in fairness, then you may feel better for a little while, but you're only repeating the past. You're only doing what you've always done instead of changing the future by thinking differently in the present time. And so this means that we're careful to not inappropriately compete with others. Because a lot of times we get our cues from other people and we say to ourselves, oh, they have a nicer car than I do. They must really exercise. Their body looks great. Um, Whatever it is, or they're, they're so friendly. Everybody loves them. Whatever it may be, we have a tendency to compare and contrast ourselves to other people Now, as I was growing up, I was a swimmer, and one of the most important things the coaches always, like, pounded into our heads is, do not look at the swimmer in the other lane. If you do, you'll lose the race. And that did happen to me once. I really was. I was really swimming well, and I looked to the right just to see how far that person next to me was, and I ended up losing the race. And so it's important for you to recognize this comparing and contrasting that we do with other people. It doesn't really help us. I want you to compare and contrast yourself to yourself. What was I like yesterday? Am I better than I was yesterday? What was I like two years ago? What was I like 10 years ago? Have I grown? Have I changed? Have I matured? Am I a better version of myself as I compare myself to what I was back in the day so god has created you and he thought of you since the beginning of time so what does that say he says stop turning to the right or left and comparing yourself with others god only wants you to compare yourself with yourself and i need to ask myself am i better than yesterday or am i getting better every day so the greatest gift you give to people that love you and to God is to live in a way that really causes you to be the best version of you. So when we're thinking about this, I need to remind myself, this is a really good saying that, I, that God has helped me with, that I came up with, and I tell myself a lot. I'm not my past unless I continue to repeat it or refuse to learn from it. So it really means that I am not my past unless I'm still doing it or if I uh, refuse to learn from it. So what this actually means is that you need to take advantage of love. I need to love myself in order to successfully love others and love is best utilized as an action. So whether it be a thought, a feeling or an action, this means I'm loving myself in order to love others well. And I may not be doing or, or saying everything completely right I might even be ignoring something or overlooking something. But the greatest gift of love is time. See, people need time. And I've seen this countless times in my practice. We all can experience stage fright. So when I am being seen by healthy people that love me, that care about me, that are understanding how hard I am working to undo and redo my past so that I don't continue to repeat it. That causes them tremendous hope and happiness. So we're firing the internal critic, right? And I said in the last segment, you know, maybe your critic was inherited, passed along from your family, or is your critic a squatter? Did it just kind of like come inside of you and decided to live there and you let it live there. Maybe your internal critic started out as a friend and it seemed to have good intentions, but now your internal critic is just reminding you of all the things you didn't do today and measuring and contrasting it to yesterday or last year. So when we think about this, we understand that one of the biggest things about an internal critic is the shaming that it does. We all have this observing self, this part of us that needs to be more of a coach, a confident, a friend, or a cheerleader. But many times the observing self or that part of me that I think has my back, sometimes it's stabbing me in the back all the time. And I'm listening to that really unhealthy critic more often than I'm listening to the healthier version of me and to God's ideas about me. See, the observing, the healthy, observing part of me has my back and will tell me the truth in love as forgiving, patient, and kind, and orderly, and not chaotic. So you have to understand, do I have an internal critic that I am allowing to abuse me? That's not a, that's not okay. You can't do that. It's not what a critic is for. And so a critic is just someone that has is emotionless. That's how they're supposed to be. They're just reporting the news. They're just reporting what is happening. They're not shaming you in the middle of it. So unforgiveness. Okay? This is the definition of unforgiveness because those of us that struggle with this this horrible critic, this tendency to maybe fall into self-hatred, we have this idea that we are never allowed to be forgiven. And so unforgiveness is not having the compassion to forgive. Another definition of unforgiveness is someone has offended us. We have a choice to either forgive them or not forgive them. So unforgiveness is when we choose to not have compassion for someone that has offended us and we choose not to have the willingness to forgive them. And so Matthew chapter 18:33 says, "Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had pity on thee?" That's what God is saying. He's saying, "Who are you to not have compassion on your fellow servant?" to have no pity on them, to have nothing, no care for them. And so this applies to us in our internal world. Who am I to not have compassion on myself and to not have some pity for myself? And I don't mean falling into a, you know, pity, you know, outbreak and tantrum. What I'm talking about is, hey, how come I'm being so mean to myself Why am I doing that? How is that going to help my future? That means the more I practice what I'm doing today, it keeps me from having a longer future that I'm going to enjoy. See, if I stop today and I don't do this anymore and I live for another 25 years, think of how wonderful those 25 years will be. But if I don't stop today and I live 25 years and I only stop, you know, condemning myself in the 24th year, then I only get one good year. That's miserable. So we don't want to live that way. Every human being has a deep, sometimes hidden desire to be forgiven. And there's this very famous story by Ernest Hemingway. And this is what it says. Paco ran away from his home to Madrid and his grieving father looked everywhere for him. And in desperation, the father placed an ad in the Madrid newspaper that read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. The next morning, 800 hopeful men named Paco were standing in the front of the newspaper office. Think about that. See, someone needs your forgiveness right now. But even more, as you choose to forgive and surrender yourself to a loving father, that's God, you'll begin to experience the freedom that comes through much forgiving. So maybe it is you. Not a lot of articles are written on forgiving yourself. It has a lot of material written on how to forgive others. And many people take for granted that you forgive yourself. I know for myself and for people I work with, self is the last person that I forgive. And usually, what is the most difficult one to forgive? It's far more natural to forgive others than yourself. See, forgive forgiving yourself, why is it so hard to forgive yourself? Well, you have to be with yourself all the time and can't get away from yourself. Nor can you get away from what you did or do or didn't do. Forgiving yourself is about learning, you know, to hate what you do, not hate who you are. I'm going to say that one more time. Forgiving yourself is about learning to hate what you do, not hate who you are. It's learning even when you disagree with yourself and don't even like yourself. This is what God does. He separates our sin from who we are. This in no way means that he minimizes or rationalizes away sin. He knows that we will always be working until the day we die. It will never be complete. But here's the thing. God is the only one who sees the complete product, who I really am, who I will really become. And God does not tire nor weary of the process. He knows exactly how long it will take to complete the process. He sees through the sin. He sees you through the eyes of a loving father. So don't worry about your, you know, your, the, the absence of discipline. Just find a verse that helps you prune yourself. You know, Whatever you need to do, find a saying that helps you to stay on track and keep within the lane lines. So forgiving yourself is a big deal. And how many times did Jesus say your sins are forgiven when he healed someone? See, it's more important to God that you're forgiven than you are healed. Healing is a result of forgiveness. And so he knows forgiveness brings life. Jesus does not want our sin to kill us. See, he overcame it so we could live. So forgiveness brings you life. Please forgive yourself today. I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I hope that this was helpful. And I want you to really take advantage of the study guides that we have that go along with each one of these shows. If you have any questions about this idea of forgiveness, you can always contact me at CynthiaHyatt.com. I'll talk to you again next week.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging